Revelation 21, uh, the title of this impromptu message is this, we're going to stand before Jesus. Subtitle, I want to be a God chaser. We're going to stand before Jesus. I want to be a God chaser. We've been in a series entitled Vision for Eternity, and my heart's desire in preaching this series is when Revelation um, 21 comes into light, there is this unbelievable reality of standing before the creator of the universe, the king of the world. And we're given this glimpse into the ultimate reality. And so when we come into a year like 2020 and an bleeds into 2021, and I see Christians so shaken. I, I, I even listen to podcasts, and I'm listening to, to Bible teachers and, and, and talking about just how, um, how uh, shaken they are and, and how much um, disequilibrium, uh, I don't even know if that's a word, but the, the, how much the church got shaken by a pandemic it concerns me that we live in such a temporal mindset instead of an eternal view. And I believe that God wants you to live unshakable. I'm not saying it's been an easy year, but what I am saying is that I believe we as the church have lost sight of our eternal destination, and we've lost sight of intimacy with Jesus, and we've become, uh, we've created this American Christianity. Like, if you notice in American Christianity, uh, it, it really teaches us more to be successful entrepreneurs than suffering servants. Like we've been more focused on how to have a comfortable life of accumulation than we have been in our lives actually looking like Jesus. And so I want to, I've wanted to unpack that for you and I wanna just give you the great news of Revelation 21 that's still unshakable in the midst of so much that's gone on from a pandemic to a recession to incredible racial pain to incredible uh, division uh, between political parties from, from death to school shutting down to sports shutting down. I mean, the world has changed as we know it, but our end destination has not changed. In fact, I hope it's becoming more clear to you than ever before. So I love when we open up Revelation 21, it says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Let me just remind you when you see that scripture, so please be with me in Revelation 21. Everyone open your Bibles to it since we don't have it on the screen. Please get it in front of you. Um, if, you don't, if you don't have a phone or a Bible, uh, why don't you raise your hand? We'll bring you a Bible. Does anyone need a Bible? Anyone need a paper Bible? Raise your hand. Everyone have something? We're all good? Okay, good. Revelation 21, I'm reading from the NIV. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. What does that mean? It means that we know from the book of Peter that the old earth has passed away, that everything, both heavens and earth has been, uh, the original ones have passed away. It says, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among 
the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. I'll never forget, many of you have heard this story, but I'm sitting in the back row of a, a, a little Methodist church in, in Juarez, Mexico. Juarez, Mexico, across the border from El Paso. I'm a, a junior in college. I'm 21 years old. And I have gone on this mission trip with this radical college group, much like ours here at this church. I can't believe that that's what I've done on spring break. I had the opportunity to go to Vail, Colorado to go on a ski trip. And now I'm in a dusty border town where there's all kinds of poverty and violence. I'm thinking, what in the world have I done? I'm sitting on the very back row of the church. Beware, back rows are dangerous because God sees you still. I might not, but God sees you. I'm on the back row. I've got my, my, my arms uh, across, um, just crossed over my, 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 my chest. I'm kind of too cool for school. I'm thinking, you know, these people are a little weird. They all raise their hands in worship. There's Some of them are dancing around. And I'm hearing this message about absolute surrender, about brokenness, about fully giving our lives to Jesus. And, and I'm just thinking like, uh, man, I want that, but I just don't, I don't want to look weird. I don't know if you've ever had that thought before. Like I was coming into a, a charismatic church for the first time. I've told you guys many times, I grew up in a very traditional church. We were the frozen chosen. And, and so I, I didn't want to appear weird. And um, hey guys, if there's any way to just stop working on the screens, because this, this thing's just going off and on to me and I just want to focus. So I know y'all are, y'all are just doing your job, but I'm like, um, I, so I'm hearing this, this message about getting everything from Jesus, like running after him with all your heart. And I'm hearing about how God is moving around the world and how it's not just the wise, the learned, it's not the, the educated and the wealthy, but that God is using, oh, you're such a blessing, Dylan. She's like been running around the whole place. I've just seen her like scurrying around the, the whole morning. So um, thank you so much. Amen. We can give her a hand. She just disconnected it for me so it wouldn't be flashing at me. One time I was preaching, guys, it was so it was like one of the most distracting days ever. And so the babies were crying. That's not that abnormal. So I'm used to babies crying. But then these lights started going off like a strobe light on me. I felt like John Travolta. It was crazy. So anyway, you uh, being prepared to preach outside in a tent, that is crazy. Uh, I'm sitting on the back row, and I'm, I'm hearing about God moving, and I'm hearing about the, the miracle working power of God, but I am, I am, there was just something in me that wanted to preserve my dignity. There's something in me that wanted to put my best foot forward, and so I'm hearing about how God is moving. I'm hearing about the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm hearing about signs and wonders. I'm, I'm hearing about this, and I'm just thinking, Lord, I don't want, I don't want the gifts of the Spirit. Like, that's weird, like, visions, and whoa, people speaking in tongues, and all these different things. 
But God, if you're moving, if you're moving on earth, like Jesus, I this this whole religion thing didn't do it for me. Like I grew up in a church, and and we, we you know I we weren't just the frozen chosen. Like I wore a suit to church, and I'm not even against suits. But what I'm saying is, it was so just religious. And and man, I so. I was made for something more like I was I, I've always just I've always been like this carpe diem person like sees the day. And so coming to church and it being the most boring week uh, hour of the week that just didn't work for me. And yet d- d- yet people being emotional and people raising their hands and people dancing and 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 the supernatural that also weirded me out. So I was just in a bad place. Right. And so I'll never forget the, the, the college pastor. He gives this invitation and says, you know, if, if you're willing to give your whole life to Jesus, if you're willing to just surrender everything and to come to him on his terms, like you can't just pick. You can't pick, well, I'll have a little of this. I'll have a little of the faith gift, uh, but I don't want tongues. I'll, I'll have a little... I'll have a little visions. That's cool. I'll have a little of the healing gift, but I don't want the sermon of spirits. That's weird. He's like, if you want to just give Jesus your everything, won't you come forward? Like, if you're willing to, 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 to just say, I'm going to chase after you, and I'll never forget running to the front. I just ran to the front because I was so hungry for the Lord. I, at that moment, I didn't care what people thought. And when I came and got on my knees, the power of God touched me in a dramatic way. And I hadn't cried for years uh, and I just wept and wept and wept. You know, I, I got into this. I, I, I got into this church, this church that maybe for some of you, you're like, guy, these guys are weird. They, they, uh, they're very passionate. They're, they're very into prayer. Um, they're always talking about going to different nations. Maybe that's, that's weird for you. So that, that was weird for me. But I, I'll never forget going to this, this seminar about the end times and about meeting Jesus face to face. And, oh my goodness, it was so powerful. I want you to now turn with me to another scripture. And we're going to come back. We're going to, I think we're going to go back and forth between Revelation 21 and 1 Corinthians 3. It says this in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. This is the Apostle Paul talking, and he's explaining, what's the foundation you're laying in your life? Like if someone looked at your life, what would they say you're building on? What would they say is the most important to you? Now, the great way to evaluate this is just look at a couple things. Look at your time. So if we could see your past week, we could tell what you value most in life. What you spent your time on is what you value most. If we could look at your bank account and see how you spent your money, then we could tell what you value most. Where is your money going to? Does it reflect that you love Jesus? We would be able to see that. We would be able to see that by your tithing, your giving, the things you invest in. Looking at your time, looking at your your money, or we could call that talents, and then lastly, looking at your speech. 
What do you talk about? We talk about what we're passionate about. If you're around me for any amount of time, you're going to hear me talk about football. I'm passionate about football. You're going to hear me talk about the outdoors, and you're going to hear me talk about Steph, hopefully in reverse order. Those are the things I'm passionate. So when you look at your time, when you look at your resources, and you look at your speech, you know what you're building your life upon. And so Paul says, we're going to build on Jesus Christ. And then it says this, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it was burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. So I'm in that, I'm in that, let's go back to Mexico for a second. I'm on that back row. I run to the front and I hit my knees. And I don't know if you've had an encounter where you're actually encountering Jesus. Like some people struggle with faith. Is God real? I want to tell you, once you've actually encountered Jesus, that's never your struggle with faith anymore. I, I just said something very profound. What I said this, if, if you have an actual encounter with Jesus, it moves past just head knowledge. See, so many people in the American church, their, their relationship with God is all head knowledge. They basically go and learn. They basically go and learn some truths. But do you know that the truth of God is to lead you to an encounter with God? Uh, for example, if I wrote a letter to my wife, Stephanie, I want her to read that, and hopefully it will touch her heart. But hopefully when I show up and say, can we go out on a date, she won't say, no, that's okay, I already have your letter. But that is how many Christians are in the American church. They're like, God, I don't need you, I have your letter. Now, if you know me, you know I'm a Bible person. I spend hours in the Bible, right? There are going to be about 80 scriptures in this message that I was about to preach. So I am all about the Bible. So don't in any way think I'm denigrating the Bible. I am about being in the Bible, memorize the Bible, study the Bible, pray the words of the Bible. However, the Bible is not God. The Bible is a letter that points us towards God. And a lot of American Christianity, the whole relationship is just mind to Bible, mind to Bible. The Bible is to lead us into encounters with the living God. So the Bible talks about God's voice. Many churches don't talk about God's voice, but how can you have a relationship if you don't hear someone's voice? John 8, 45, those who belong to God hear what God says. The Bible talks about God's presence. There are many people that go their whole life without experiencing the presence of God. Do you know that the, in his presence is fullness of joy, is what Psalm 16 says. That's why the Bible says taste and see that God is good. It doesn't just say read and see that God is good. Are you following me? So I want you to pursue God until you have an encounter. You're like, well, what's it going to be like? You'll know when you have it. God gave you five senses. All your senses will be satiated, will be touched by the presence of God. If you read the Bible, people are, are constantly having visions. They're having encounters. They're having their physical experiences. People would see Jesus, they would fall as though dead. I want you to chase. I want to be a God chaser. I want to be a God chaser, and I'm not talking about just an, an emotional experience, but I am talking about an encounter. Moses saw God face to face. 
And everything in the scripture, the Bible says we read this last week, is there for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. If you read it in the Bible, then my desire is to pray for it, to see it in my life. The more I've done that, the more I've seen it. I want to be a God chaser. Please don't settle for American Christianity. Please don't settle just for a Bible study. Chase after God until you encounter him. And so I'm down on my knees at the end of this sermon, and I'm responding to it, and God starts touching me, and it was outside of my comfort zone. Like, I felt the presence of God. My physical body was touched by the presence of God. I had never experienced that. It was very dramatic. I'm not saying every time that God touches me, it's very physically dramatic, but sometimes it is. Why? That's what we see in the Bible. That's a very normal, I just want to have a biblical Christianity. For me, it felt like a 1,000 volts of electricity coming through my body. It wasn't just that. God started convicting me. It was heart-piercing. So I started repenting of all the things I had built my life on. I had built my life different than Paul explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I had built my life on human success. I had built it from my brain. I had used my brain to elevate myself academically. I'm not saying that academics is wrong. Steph and I spend a lot of time rebuking our children about their academics. So I think we should work hard. I think we should study. But if you build your identity through your intellect, you're building it on a faulty foundation. You're not created to be an intellectual giant. You're created to be a child of God. And we are to get our value not through our our mental accomplishments, but we're to get our value through the love of God for you. You are made in his image. You are made to be his child. You are made to have an intimate relationship with him. But too many of us have spent our time trying to make an identity out of what we do. So whether it was intellectual uh, achievements or whether it was physical. I mean, I lived in the gym because I wanted to, 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 I wanted first to be strong so I could feel like I was in control. So much of life we're trying to be in control. And I'm not just, you, you might be the weakest person in here, right? I, I, you might, you might be, you might feel very emotionally weak, but you try to control your life. Right? We try to control our life. We try to, we, uh, I, I see it with young moms. We try to control and keep our kids away from any harm because it's all about, if I can just think about it, I can control it instead of trusting in the living God. So it was about my intellect. It was about my strength. It was about my looks. It was about trying to look a certain way and dress a certain way and present myself a certain way. And so I'm down on my knees and I am just being convicted because I realize I built on a foundation of earthly strength and success instead of intimacy with God and having my identity formed and shaped by being a beloved child of the Father. Are you following me? So I just started weeping. I started weeping. It was, it was, a, it was a crazy experience I was having because the power of God was touching my body. The presence of God was overwhelming me. And the emotions I was, I was experiencing through the conviction. I hadn't cried in years, but I was just becoming undone. So Steph and I go to this, um, actually, I don't even think we went together. We were just there at the same time. We go to this, um, this seminar, this Bible seminar on standing before Jesus and the, the, the preacher reads this scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And, you know, we, we're, you, you, you hear this scripture and you're like, okay, so 
I'm standing there, and it, and it says this. It says, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. And this preacher is talking about this experience that he has had. This experience he had where he was meditating on the scripture and he falls asleep and he has this dream. And in this dream, he sees this line of people and, 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 and this, this line of people and Jesus is going up to each one of them. Jesus is going up, and he says Jesus is just beautiful. He's straight out of the book of Revelation with the eyes of fire, with his face shining like the sun, with his white robe reaching down to his ankles and his golden sash. And he said when Jesus would stand before someone, his face would light up, and he'd have this great smile, and people would be overwhelmed with his love. I mean, this is the most amazing dream he's having of Jesus, and he's seeing Jesus in his resurrected body in Revelation chapter 1. And he said what Jesus would do, is he would go before each person and that they would have this pile in front of them. And the pile represented all that they had done in their life. And Jesus would look at them and say their name. And he'd look at them in the eyes. And then he had a torch of fire. And he would drop that torch. And the torch would fall on that mound before them. And whatever was built for Jesus would remain, and it would be these beautiful gems and, and these crowns and these costly stones. It was exactly 1 Corinthians 3 personified. And so he backs up. This, this man's name was Rick Howard. And so Rick Howard backs up and talks about his life because what he's seeing is Jesus standing before all these people that he knew in his life. And there was, there was this uh, grandma, and he called her Grandma Shimpleton, or uh, Shippleton. And, and Grandma Shippleton was this woman in the church, and, and she was this loving woman, and she was an intercessor. She was always praying for people. And there's some people like this in our church, and I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the ones that are always praying for our staff and for our, our team and for the different ones for God to move. This church is built on prayer. This church, the reason God moves is, is he, God actually moves in response to the prayers of his people. And so Grandma Shippleton was like the, the, the prayer warrior for the church. And in fact, this preacher that's talking said he remembered when he was a kid. And, and he, was, he was a rebellious kid, and he would sit in, in the, the chairs of the church, and he would always struggle because he knew that God was calling him to surrender his life to him. But he said, like, he just fought it because he didn't want to give his life to God. And he said that, you know, week after week, he had know that at the end he was supposed to come forward and surrender his life to God, but he wouldn't do it. And he said that there was this one week uh, that, that, that something happened. Here's the history. Grandma Shippleton, every time this young kid, this kid Ricky, would walk out of the church and he'd see Grandma Shippleton. He said he actually tried to avoid her because she'd always come up and she'd go, Ricky, I'm praying for you. And he was like, no, <laughs> don't pray for me because he actually knew. You know, like, have you ever had those people that are so godly, you try to avoid them? You're like, I wonder, I wonder if they can see through me. Like, do they, do they know what I did this week? Like, they're so dialed in, right? They have those piercing eyes, you know. You're like, oh, Okay, I'm out of here. 
So every week, Grandma Shippleton would say, Ricky, I'm praying for you. And he'd be like, yes, ma'am, walk off. And so one week, the pastor preaches this message, and Ricky says, man, his heart is so convicted. And he's sitting there going like, oh, my gosh, God is totally calling me to surrender my life. I don't want to do it. And he just says he's sitting there fighting the whole time. And he says at the end, when the pastor has everyone stand up and he invites people to come forward, he's like holding on to the seats, white-knuckled, I'm not going. And then he feels this bony old hand land on his shoulder and he looks at his grandma Simpleton and she goes, Ricky, it's time. <laughs> and he's like, I know. And he goes forward and surrenders his life to Jesus. Well, years later, you know, he's now a pastor preaching. He's preaching this message. Grandma Shippleton is there and he watches in his dream where Jesus walks up to her and he looks at her in the eyes. And he says, Myra Shivelton, and his big smile on his face. And he drops the torch, and it hits this mound of, of her life. I mean, she, she hadn't had these big accomplishments. She hadn't done these great things in the world's eyes, but it hits this mound. And immediately the, the, the wood, hay, and stubble burn up, but there's this massive mound of gold and silver and precious jewels. And he says that she just grabs him and starts throwing him in the air. And she's just rejoicing. And she starts throwing them at Jesus' feet. And she goes and gets on her knees before Jesus' feet. And she's just singing and praising and worshiping. And Jesus is looking at her and saying, enter into your master's joy. And Ricky's just blown away by the reward for a woman who lived her life for Jesus. He just sees her lost in love with Jesus, whose face is just illuminated with pride and happiness. He says he watches Jesus go through some more people, and then he comes to his friend named John. And he said, man, John had everything going for him. And he said, John was his college roommate, and he said, we... Ricky said, John and I were the odd couple because Ricky said, you know, I I was this slight guy. I wasn't athletic. I was more on the nerdy side. He said, John was like the, 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 the sports captain, Mr. Popular. He was the great uh, athlete. And he said he was also the president of our Christian organization. And he said, the thing though, that brought John and I together was that John and I both felt called to ministry at an early age. And we, and we would get together and pray. And so he goes, you know, we would always, always be together and, and, and saying, hey, we're going to live out the call of God on our life. And he said, but then what happened is halfway through college, John had this girl come into his, into his life. And, and, and this girl came from an in- incredibly wealthy family. Uh, the, the family was all about um, making millions and millions of dollars. And, and Ricky said, um, you know, obviously there was nothing wrong with, with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with making millions of dollars, but he knew what this family was all about. And he soon saw that John was starting to kind of drift from his passion for Jesus. And, and, and Ricky said one day he built up the courage because John's much bigger and just kind of much more of a, a winsome uh, 
leader guy, but Ricky went up to John and said, John, I just need to challenge you on your relationship with Shannon. Like, is this really God's best? And John said, Ricky, don't worry. I know what I'm doing. And he said soon what he saw was that John was courted by Shannon's father to actually leave the, the ministry world that John was planning on and to go into the, this family business. And soon John wasn't showing up at, at the, the prayer meetings that he and Ricky were doing. And, and soon John was just hobnobbing in, in kind of the socially elite circles. And so Ricky comes again and goes, John, hey, I, I, are you sure that this is the best? Like I'm seeing your life change. And John looks at Ricky and says, Ricky, don't worry. I know what I'm doing. And at the end of college, by then, Ricky's looking, and it's like John's spiritual life had died, and, and now John is just going full steam in, into this totally different world of social elitism and, 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 and being kind of the heir apparent to, to Shannon's father's financial dynasty. And he's about to get married to him, and, and, and Ricky goes and says, John, do you remember when we were young and we committed to each other to never let ourselves walk away from the call of God on our life? I just have to challenge you and say, you're not doing what you, you, you. we cried at the altar together just saying, Jesus, we want to surrender our lives. But John, you're walking away from that. And John looks at him one more time and says, Ricky, enough. I know what I'm doing. And John went his way. Ricky went his way. And now Ricky, he's seen the joy of Grandma Shimpleton in front of Jesus. But now he sees Jesus come and stand in front of John. And John is standing there with a very sober look, and he's standing in heaven in this line where Jesus is walking with this torch. And Jesus looks at him and says, John Smith, and he drops the torch on the works of John's life. And it burns. And it burns down to practically nothing. And he says, John hits the ground and just starts weeping and wailing in his dream. And Ricky is just horrified and Ricky's brokenhearted as he's hearing this, this guttural cry as Jesus has done this, and then Jesus picks him up, picks John up, and holds him. You know, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 3, it says this, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. Please hear me today. What I'm not saying is that you earn your salvation. What I'm not saying is that you work your way into heaven. Salvation is a gift. The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by works, lest a man should boast. You are saved merely by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. We talked about that last week. In the book of Luke, we saw a thief on the cross. He had only lived a life of sin from what we can tell in Scripture, but he called on Jesus, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I'm not talking about salvation here. The craziest sinner on earth, a murderer, an adulterer, a person who's created heinous crimes, if they call on the name of the Lord Jesus, they will be saved. 
It's by grace. But what I am talking about is living life in light of eternity to where you build on Jesus, his, the foundation of living for him. Because let me tell you, what you do for him, how you live for him, will be rewarded in eternity. And so when that torch fell on John's life, he wailed in agony of the way he had wasted his days and the way he had forfeited his call. Ricky says, then Jesus came and stood before him. And he looks at him and says, Rick Howard. He says, the eyes that looked at him, he'll never forget, they were eyes of deep compassion. He said that gaze was a gaze of knowing, feeling known like he had never felt in his whole life. And then he drops the torch, and Rick's heart is just pounding. (laughs) What's going to happen? He drops the torch, and the torch is falling. And right as it comes to the mound, (laughs) he wakes up. (laughs) And he's gasping. (gasps) He'd spend the rest of his life preaching on the judgment seat of Christ. the scripture says we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give account of how we've lived in the body. I try to live every single day of my life in light of eternity. I try to spend every day of my life at some point thinking I will stand before Jesus. Somewhere this, 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 this thought got in my head as a young person, and, and I, I, I started to live in this reality that every moment by moment, God is with me, and, and he sees me. And so it really helped me with sin when you always think that God is looking at you. But it really helps me in feeling not alone and feeling supported to think Christ is in me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's actually walking with me. Do you understand how different this is than a religion? Like a religion is something you kind of check in and check out on. If you're a religious person, you make sure on Sundays I go and do my religious thing. If you're a person with a relationship, you never stop thinking about a person. Like if you're in love, you can't ever stop thinking about the person you're in love with. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes in love people, they're almost useless. Right, I love. I love. There's there two people on my staff um, are are engaged right now, and and I notice they're forgetting some things. And if you're listening to me, I love you, and I'll be at both your weddings celebrating profusely. But it's like when you're about to get married, it's it's kind of always with you. You're always thinking about that. There's all, it's just always in this consciousness, like, oh my gosh, I belong to another. I'm about to be with that person. I'm going to, I'm going to be on a honeymoon with this person. And I, and, and so in first, in, in, in Revelation 21, if we can just go back, it says this, and I heard the loud voice. Uh, no, it says, I saw the Holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Let's move down. To, to verse 9. 
One of the seven angels who had the, this is back in Re Revelation 21, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that, a very precious jewel, like Jasper, clearest crystals that had a great high wall with 12 gates, with the 12 angels on the gates. And then we're, we go through this glorious city, this beautiful city that we're in. And later on, we read this. It says, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Do you understand at the end of your life, in the end of the created order, you'll stand before Jesus. Like a, 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 a woman that makes all kinds of preparations for a wedding and she wants to be so beautiful when she gets there. Like she wants to have the prettiest dress and the most beautiful hair and the most beautiful makeup. I mean, and, and do you understand this is only a foreshadowing? Like I want to be prepared when I come and I stand before Jesus to be with him forever. He is what matters. And so like, guys, 2020, everything didn't go so well for us. Like the, the schools were shut down and, and so many lost their jobs. And, and I, I, I'm sorry, and I know it's hard and there's challenges and we couldn't go to all restaurants, right? Unless the restaurants were having a peaceful protest. And, but, 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 but here's the thing, what, what, what matters? Like those things, you're not, you're not even gonna remember that when you get to heaven. You're not gonna be like, gosh, I didn't get to go to Miguel's Casino for a few, for a few. You're not gonna. Oh my gosh, I couldn't be in the state. I couldn't drive up to LA and sit in the in the stadium with the Chargers. And you're not, you're not gonna be thinking about that. What you're gonna think about is it's Jesus. He's there, and you're gonna weep and go like, oh. Because this is what happened to me in that seminar when, when, when I heard that story from Rick and then I'm seeing Jesus in the book of Revelation with eyes of fire and face like the sun and hair as white as snow and then he's standing on a throne and from it is a sea of fire and there's 10,000 angels and when I, when I started seeing that and when I started hearing that, I, I, I actually at the end of that message, I fell on my face. I went to the front, I fell on my face and I started weeping and this is the only phrase I could say over and over again. If I would have only known how beautiful you are, I wouldn't have wasted so much of my life. If I would have only known how beautiful you are, I wouldn't have wasted so much of my life. And that's what I'm pleading with you. Chase after Jesus until you have encounters with him. And when you have encounters with him, the, that, that words of that song, that, that old hymn, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When you start seeing Jesus, guys, everything else starts pale. It starts to pale in comparison, and you can get through. I just wanted to say, yeah, we might be coming out of COVID, or we might not. I don't know what the variants, I can't predict it. I don't know. But I can tell you, I don't think everything's going to just get easy again. And so if that's what you're living for, I think you're going to be disappointed. And you know what? I kind of hope it doesn't get easy again. Because I haven't been really impressed with how we as Christians are living. When I read this book, we don't look like the New Testament Christians. Who, who, what, what did they do? They were more committed to loving than biting back the people that were hurting them. 
They were so in love with Jesus that they would sacrifice their lives to talk about Jesus. We can't even open up our mouths and tell people we're Christians now. They would share their possessions and give to anyone who had need. We're more, we're more into watching the latest advertisement and making sure I get the latest iPhone or the latest this or the latest that. I'm just not impressed with American Christianity because we just get, the more we, we've been given, the richer we get, the more comfortable we get, the more we take our eyes off of him. And no wonder suicide's at an all-time high. No wonder depression's at an all-time high. No wonder divorce is at an all-time high. No wonder abortion's at an all-time high. Because we're not living for him. I say this not to rail on us, not to harp on us. I say this because Jesus is the most beautiful thing. He's the most precious thing. He's the only one who will satisfy you. He's the only one who will meet your love needs. He's the only one who will give you the identity that you need. He's the only one who is going to actually bring the entertainment and make your heart come alive. He's the only one who can provide the actual adventure that you were created for. Church, let's run after Jesus. Let's stand up.